everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is episode number 694 with a review of Nightmare Alley. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we are talking about Nightmare Alley, which you know was in theaters a long ass time ago. And in the last couple weeks, it has come out on, I guess, both HBO Max and Hulu, um, so yeah. lots of people have a chance to see it if you miss it while it's in theaters. We're going to talk about it. Um, this is a story uh, that follows a person who is a mentalist um, or a cold reader, and I guess my, my question to start this off uh, for you, Stephen, is I know in the past when we've watched different like horror films or you know spooky films about like ghostly stuff, you always talked about how you don't believe in it, um, but you also talk about how films scare you. Uh, yeah. I assume... Even, you know, before watching this film that talks about the background of how mentalism and cold uh, reading works, I assume that you are a man who does not buy into the spook show, <laughs> as some people might call it, and you wouldn't be impressed necessarily with somebody who claims to, you know, have views into other realms and stuff like that, but if you ever see it in person, does it still sort of give you that twinge of weirdness um, when you see it in person versus just like the idea of it? Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm trying to remember the last time I specifically saw a mentalist in person. I've definitely seen magicians in person who did tricks that made me... I, it isn't like I ever seriously believed, oh, maybe magic is real. But yeah. the, the disorienting effect of I truly cannot understand how it is possible a person did it. Um, like, even watching, like, David Blaine's show... Right, yeah. like, or maybe not show. They was like the documentary-ish type things where a camera crew would follow him around, right? Um, yeah. And I remember seeing ones where the trick was just like think of a card, and then he'd like show a card printed on his <laughs> chest or something. <laughs> and those yeah. definitely, they would make me question like, are human beings way more easy to read and way more attuned to each other than I thought was possible? Like, like there are boundaries that I think can things can send me in a tailspin when I see just how well people can pull off that shit. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in general, in person or watching on a screen or whatever, it it doesn't really fundamentally alter anything about me, but it does. It, I wouldn't say it skews me out, but it makes me question, like, is it possible that a look in your eye can betray which of 52 things you're thinking about? Yeah. And like that becomes something where I start to think, well, Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe some people are really, really, really good at this. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah that, well, that isn't really an answer, but that, that's as far as I can go. But no, I, I feel you there. I think, I think when, I was, when I was younger, I was really, really into magic. And, you know, I, I was into magic in the way that I would, like, you know, buy books on how to learn how to do tricks. So it's like from an early age, even though I was fascinated with magic, I knew it was all fake. But the fakeness actually became the thing that still fascinates me, right? Like you yeah. watch somebody do a trick and you, you are amazed at what they do. And, you know, specifically with like reading and doing different things like that, you know that like the more steps involved or the more vague they are when they're pulling out their detailed information, you're like, okay, that's definitely what's going on. Um, right. Or like in those situations where like massively the audience, it's like pick a color now, take the number of the color and you know multiply it by two and then and that you know that there's mathematically only one thing sure, on the yeah, board like that, anything multiplied by nine well the digits allow up to nine or whatever like there are little yeah, tricks yeah. like that that 
are just kind of stupid. Yeah, like so when you see that kind of stuff, you're like, okay, whatever. But that like anytime it's like somebody who also anytime a uh, you know you know a mentalist or a magician in general it, it pulls the person out of the audience and goes, so we have never met before, correct? You're just like, okay, yeah. well, obviously you could have met before, right? Like, unless it's, unless I went to a show with you and they called on you, then I would be like even more spooked out because I'd be like, whoa, I know Steven's not in on it. Uh, yeah. You know I mean? So can I tell you the the version of this that does work on me is hypnotism. Like I've never been hypnotized, but I've been to like hypnotist shows where my yeah. friends were pulled up and I watched them behave in like wild ways that were definitely contrary to how they would have normally acted yeah and that does send me through a tailspin of like man how does the human brain work yeah (laughs) because apparently there are more powerful possibilities than i had realized but but there's also things where like you know people collectively in a group uh you give them a uh you know if, if i gave you uh you know if i poured out like a brewery beer for you right and their stuff is all high, super high percent alcohol, but I replaced it with something like non-alcoholic beer mm-hmm. and you didn't know. And I gave it to you. You'd, you'd probably like finish that and be like, whoa, I feel super buzzed just because like you're expecting that to be the outcome of, of what it is. Right. Um, so, you know, there, how much of hypnotism is, is being hypnotized or being a willing participant and doing something silly right. because like, like, and, and, and how does that line blur itself in a way that is well it's true and and i've been told that that they are one and the same like no one who is hypnotized would do a thing that they wouldn't in their heart have done if they were uninhibited anyway but at the same time it's just like and who know maybe my friends were fucking with me i have no idea but like i remember being with friends who did a hypnotism show and then at the end seemed like profoundly embarrassed when they realized what they had done in front of the audience and maybe that's just like this was in my early 20s or whatever so maybe it was still like young people just like being dumb or not understanding themselves (laughs) i don't know what it was but that that kind of stuff does does surprise me when it comes to magic i i've definitely been impressed but i always know there is a hidden mechanic yeah and the hidden mechanic it impresses me that a person can pull it off like sleight of hand like people can be so nimble like i can be staring at their hand and not know that they did a thing yeah and i think mentalism is similar where like you can so nimbly draw a fact out of a person that i don't even realize i gave it to you it's an impressive skill set doesn't throw me into an existential tailspin or anything yeah yeah i mean mean, i I can watch sleight of hand magicians and like i know that the way they held the cup at this one moment is not a natural way to hold the cup. So I know that in that moment, they move the object that they were placing under that cup into this cup because that's how how these tricks work. But I still don't know how they can do it imperceptibly. Like, like, I I, I can know how the trick works fundamentally but not be able to reproduce it myself. So it still is like magic watching it happen. Yeah, I I think that the trick with magic and specifically mentalism like this in both cases is the... The actual trick, the lie, the sneaky maneuver happened very quickly at the beginning. And then they bloat this whole fake procession around the answer to make you forget the little thing at the beginning. Like 
if a card trick were really like, okay, look at your card, now hold it close to you, boom, look at it, it's not your card anymore, it wouldn't work. Because they would know, like, oh, you just did a sleight of hand, you swapped it out. But because they're like, look at your card, now hold it close to you, now I'm going to leave the room. Uh, you know, they like build <laughs> yeah. up all this elaborate suspense, so everyone thinks, oh my god, this must have how did this happen during that five minute period rather yeah. than like, no, I was wrong at the very beginning. And mentalism is like that, right? Like we both watched uh, in and of itself, uh, Derek yeah. Del Gaudio, Gaudio. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll come up probably again in the Soderbergh movie too. Uh, but neither of us were that impressed with it because it, a lot of it did come down to that mentalism. Like I know this fact about you and because it's so unadorned, because there isn't a lot of other stuff in the way making it seem believable, for me at least, the trick was just like, oh well, clearly you cheated. Like you know, you know, you know this for another reason. There's no way you intuited a hundred people's innermost thoughts, you know. Yeah. Um, and for me, that ruins. Like I need the pomp and circumstance a little bit to make the illusion work. And if you just go directly for it, then it can kind of break it for me. Yeah, but in his, I I did actually like that one. Um, oh, but uh, but I think I liked it because there is a performative aspect of what he's doing. But it is a his 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 tone and delivery of the story he is telling is is not what you are looking for, which is like the. Um, you know, like the, the, the magician's magician, like, or, you know, roughly shirt and like big explosions and stuff like that. It is just the I am telling you something in a deadly serious manner, a story about the person that I believe that I am. And at the end, it's all about now I'm telling you who you believe you are. And mm. even though like. Even though any situation in which a bunch of people walk into a room and pick something off of a wall, there's an obvious way that you can derive the answer from it but it's still the yeah. delivery of the Many way obvious given. ways yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah anyways we've talked about all sorts of things and we haven't even gotten into the crux of what this is about which is the the not fun way of 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 how mentalism can play into things but uh the more sinister way of taking advantage of people who want um to get something out of this experience that is not just fun but what do you say, Stephen, we get into our review of Nightmare Alley? Let's do it. And to answer the hidden question at the beginning, no, I did not think this movie was scary at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Nightmare Alley, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. I will ask you simple questions. You will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth. Absolute truth. I can do that. Now, brief as you can, what is your name? Stanton Carlisle. Are you a true medium? Yes, I am. Mr. Carlisle? Doctor, how about that? Please lie down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can. Under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. I've given you a fortune! It's time that you delivered. 
When does it end? I want to know. If you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. All right, so that was the trailer for Nightmare Alley, um, and is the story of a man uh, played by Bradley Cooper, who uh, you know he he leaves his life behind and goes off and um, meets up with this uh, traveling circus and sort of integrates with that group, and then discovers that he has a talent for mentalism um, after you know learning some of the tricks of the trade from other people at the carnival, and then goes off to start his own thing and uh it's sort of the story of the rise of 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 this man and the craft that he is trying to hone and you know what may come of his exploits as he continues to you know become bigger and bigger and bigger stephen miller what did you think of nightmare alley uh, so I'm going to preface by saying I have not seen the 1947 version. I didn't do my homework. A part of me thought maybe I would watch it just so I could have the real film nerd whatever take on this movie. Um, didn't do it. I'll also say, like, people, critics kind of don't like Guillermo del Toro that much anymore. I think they like him as a person. But, like, The Shape of Water, even though it won an Oscar, it was kind <laughs> of critically seen as, like, Oh, that one won in a in a in a universe where so many things could win. Why did this movie like? I don't know. He's gotten a little bit of a rap as like he makes things that are nice and kind of middling, um, which didn't gel with my feeling because I loved The Shape of Water. I think I'm just yeah. very basic, um, <laughs> and my basicness continues because I also think Nightmare Alley is pretty freaking great. Um, like I am in this movie's corner. I don't think it is perfect. Um, it's a long movie. Uh, we were talking about it last week when we were talking through the films we were going to watch, partly because Kimmy is listed as an hour longer than it actually is on Google, which is a shame for Kimmy. <laughs> is it really? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kimmy was also listed as two and a half hours when it oh, is weird. definitely not. And I wonder how many people didn't watch it because of that. Um, yeah, I feel like it's like 88 minutes or something like really short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a very <laughs> short movie. Uh, but anyway, Night Nightmare Alley is fairly long. And I think it's middle third or something i don't know it's middle 45 minutes it basically th this is a movie that is setting up characters they have a starting place they're going to end in a clear place and then it's a movie about how they get there i know that sounds reductive and like every movie is that but in particular here there are kind of very clean definitions of where characters start and where they end up yeah. and the middle of the movie it wants to do something subtle and internal, which is just not what Guillermo del Toro is good at. Guillermo del Toro is not about like subtle inner workings of people's minds. He is about show me the goods. But the first third of this movie, the like carnival, the parade of horrors, this kind of historical, gothic, semi-plasticky, semi-creepy past that he's constructed, I loved all of that. Like I was so into the freak show quote that Guillermo yeah. del Toro is bringing and just the way this like incredibly star studded movie reveals all of its characters and how they work together and kind of peels back the curtain almost in a Penn and Teller style and like shows you like here is the machinations behind how some of these carnivals and tricks and stuff worked. Love that. And then the final third 
ultra intense grisly spectacle just won me over with its over the top like everything i think even if structurally i don't love everything this movie does i was just so into this movie by the time it ended and how neatly it wrapped everything in a bow i was just like hell yeah Guillermo del toro (laughs) hell yeah i think i think bradley cooper is very good in this movie um and he's being asked to do a kind of role that he doesn't normally have to do um I think the supporting cast is all just great. Like Rooney Mara, love to see her. Kate Blanchett is always good in everything. Um, yep. You know, people get small roles who are major performers like uh, Tony Collette or like Richard Jenkins plays a very pivotal role in this movie and we don't even meet him for a very long time. Um, I just loved all of it. I thought this look into this carnival-esque world and the way it folds into a kind of noir story the the possibilities of mentalism and what it can and can't do and how that ties with characters who might be duplicitous or might not know how to read each other. I, I was just totally hooked by this movie. So I was very glad that I watched it. Yeah, um, I, I went on a few different journeys as I watched this film. I mean, like like, like what you said, the, you know, the early, uh, you know, circus carnival freak show was amazing and i loved that mm-hmm. and i loved watching bradley cooper try to assimilate in this group as this outsider but then he has his own ideas for how you could uh make your act more performative so it's not just mm. quite literally shocking in some cases it yeah. <laughs> it is also more showy and more like basically he was he was coming into a place um which didn't need him and showing that he could bring stagecraft to the st- stagecraft to the group and like in, in, enhance their experience in, in what they were doing. I really loved all that kind of stuff. And then he immediately just goes like, you know what? We're too good for this. And he just fucks off to do his own thing. And and like yeah. that sort of separation kind of left me wanting a little bit, right? Because when you're watching the experience of the carnival, you are seeing both sides of how a trick is done. You are seeing people doing their craft, reacting to an audience and having to sort of play in the moment, figure out what the crowd needs. And like you, you are experiencing the crowd reading, not watching a man who filmically is crowd reading, right? So I think Mm -hmm. that once it does that jump cut to him off on his own, the film became much less interesting to me. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, of course, then we get introduced to Kate Blanchett. We get uh, introduced to uh, Richard Jenkins. Um, Those characters, once again, start to pique my interest and and get me in. I think, ultimately, some of the trajectory of Bradley Cooper's story required me to kind of recalibrate my mind to what type of story I was watching. Guillermo Mm -hmm. del Toro really likes fairy tales. And this story is constructed albeit really well, like a fairy tale where some things, uh, you know, are cut for time, right? It is this man who suddenly learns what took another man a lifetime to learn in, in yeah. the course of three minutes, right? And then it's all he needs to go on and do his own thing. There are, there are people who try to bestow lessons to other people or um, not lessons, but uh, warnings about how to do things, which will all come to fruition in the future if you follow a certain track, right? And it's like, there are a bunch of things that, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, bowling pins that are laid up and then knocked down um, all in due time. And they all feel um, like, you know, when something is set up and then it, it, it fires off later, it feels satisfying, but it also... There's, there's part of me who sees it as a cheat. Um, there, there, is, there is a moment where um, Bradley Cooper 
you know, has to go into cold reading because his situation is not playing out the way he's expecting to. Yeah. There, there are theoretically stakes in that moment where you are, you should be theoretically worried for how that outcome could be. But we're, what we are watching is somebody just like the story calls for them to succeed. So they succeed. You don't, you don't see the machinations of how they succeeded. They just succeed for story reasons. Right. And, and and it's interesting. When I watched that scene, I very much felt like this could go either way. And I, I did feel like I was watching the machinations, like the moment when it we might flips be, in his head. We might be talking about two different scenes. You might be talking about Kate mm. Blanchett. And I'm talking about Richard Jenkins. Okay. I see. I thought uh, you might be talking about either scene. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but specifically the second time, it's like, I know what you are doing and what you are doing is specifically related to one line that one character said 45 minutes ago. And I like that, that I, I like that connection, right? I like that. Mm -hmm. Somebody said there is a danger in this because of this. And we are watching this because of this. Yep. And that works in the fairy tale sense. It, I don't buy it in the reality of, I don't think this char character has earned that ability, but I think that the story calls for the character to have earned that ability. So I'm watching it play out. And I think that part of, for instance, there's a, there's a specific thing that Richard Jenkins wants to happen and is asking for. It's a request. In mm -hmm. my head, the easy way out of this situation is that's not how this works, guy. Sorry. Right. That, all you have to do is say that and then you're out of everything. There's no problem. Right. There's no conflict at all. But the story yeah. requires him to want to deliver the, the request. Right. And it's like mm -hmm. there are a lot of things in the story that sort of play out that way. And I don't mind it at all. Like in the storybook framework, it's perfect. This is constructed beautifully. And it's like chef's kiss. Part of the Christopher brain goes like, hmm, I don't know if this isn't landing the way it should if I take this at face value. But if I take it as this storybook story, I love this. So it's, it's kind of like, I, I don't know, I was of both minds with it. And in the end, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. It just the bow is wrapped so nicely by the end that like it just feels so perfect that I can't fault the film. But in the moment, I, I kept having to tell myself, remember, fairy tale. And then, and then I'd be like, yeah, this is a great fairy tale. And then it's, it, just, it just required me to, to keep thinking about it. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. It definitely does flow with a fairy tale logic. Um, I mean, both movies we talk about tonight are of the form where the director very much is like, let me call my shot here, 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 yeah. here, here. You are not going to be surprised when it happens. It's a... This... This is a little bit like mentalism. It's like a cheap parlor trick. And if you see it as a parlor trick, you might be a little frustrated by the shortcuts that it takes. Or you can decide to let yourself believe it and then be totally blown away by it. And yeah. that's kind of how I felt here. There were things that are expedient. You know, why is Bradley Cooper so good at this so quickly? Why? What are the odds that he gets this exact moment to do this exact thing that will let him stay in the game a little bit longer? Why does he so quickly blah, 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 you know, all the points he made are definitely valid. Yeah. But there also is just a part of me that because of how beautifully well done the movie was, I didn't want to care about any of those things. Like I wanted to believe the magic trick and I kind of, uh, I, I enjoyed that. And I think that's what Guillermo del Toro does really well is he like, 
he just conjures up a little magic trick for you and says, like, come join me. Believe believe in this and you are going to get rewarded by the end. You know, yeah. you're going to get your aha moment. And I, I thought the aha moment hit pretty damn well here. Yeah, for sure. I will say everything, and it would be too spoilery to really go into it, everything about the Richard Jenkins character and various escalations and stuff worked extremely well on, on me. Like, I would say the last... 20 minutes or so of the movie my heart was just racing i was just full on like i am feeling like i'm in a theater with a big thing of popcorn and everyone in the audience is yelling <laughs> oh shit in unison like th this movie just really had me which is impressive for a two and a half hour movie like it yeah, yeah. i don't know it pulled that off no no it definitely nails it and he, he's so richard jacket is, is is so perfectly cast for that role like just mm -hmm. just his voice and his presence is <laughs> it's just like i couldn't imagine anybody else playing that role yeah yeah i was very into it the one it's an issue in the sense that like it keeps me from saying i just unabashedly love this movie is there's the love rooney mara in this and you know she's always great the fairy tale aspect here requires rooney mara and bradley cooper's relationship to undergo a few different changes and I, that is where I felt like the middle movie wanted to be more subtle and nuanced than it was capable of really being because I didn't really believe the trajectories there. Or it felt like it got yada, yada, yada over all the actual like interesting internal work that would have had to happen yeah. for the characters to wind up where they are. Again, fits as a fairy tale, it's fine. But that was one of those things where I felt like God, I should see that happen. If the whole thrust of this movie is, again, point A to point B, like make me feel the tension as they're changing. And I, and I feel like the movie doesn't really know how to reflect that. It knows how to have like characters in one extreme point or the other. And then the hinge points in between just have to be kind of like yada, yada, yada over because they don't know how to represent it. Yeah, the, the, that I mean... It was definitely yada yada over, but I felt like Rooney Mara as a whole was sort of just like, not even as the relationship, but just her character literally got nothing. I mean, she has theoretically a vital role in his act, but her herself, she, she is literally given almost nothing to do. <laughs> she yeah. is just the, it would be like if, if you compared this to Red Rocket, it would be like if, uh, if, uh, you know, Mikey Saber convinced Strawberry to go off and join him in work. And all she did was hold the boom mic. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is very apt. I only now realize that this is kind of a Carol reunion though. That's a, uh, yeah. that's sweet. That is true. <laughs> um, uh yeah but yeah, I, I i i do like that this film plays in that um like you kind of earlier you touched on uh pen and teller and the, the fact that we get to see how these tricks are done but it is interesting how how they they explain the way the trick is done but it, it's also it, it's kind of like the equivalent of you saying like oh yeah um, they just fling the cards into their sleeve. Uh, but it's like, okay, I understand that they fling cards in their sleeve, but how the hell do they fling? Like you're, you're skipping the technique. Yeah. You're it's just kind of like, oh, there are certain words that combine with certain letters, which give you keys to like what to ask. And it's like, boom, you got it. But it, it's, 
like you don't really know how long it's been from when they leave the carnival to like when they're performing in their like nice fancy dinner environment so it's like i, th- I think it's two years is it I two think years there's a little title card that says it yeah oh, okay i don't i don't i just didn't remember the, the title card but i guess that would make more sense because two years you could probably learn that pretty well but it, it felt like yeah it felt like somebody who you know it, it's not like counting cards where it's a pure math thing where it's like do i add or subtract every time a card comes out it, it it's like something that's a little bit more difficult which is right. if some if one of the people messes it up everything falls apart and then you can only go full spook show after that point yeah yeah and you never want to go full spook show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i did i i will say the the scene of them I think it is supposed to be the Copacabana. I think they mentioned that. Um, the scene of them performing there with uh, Kate Blanchett being involved, I loved the way that that flowed. It, like, it starts as the, let's see, the mechanics of mentalism, and then it pivots into something else. And I, considering the stakes are pretty much nothing you know it's a bunch of people performing in a movie somewhere like i i I was just surprised how much it like gripped me that whole time and that is a moment where i think bradley cooper does a lot of good work of showing like subtle things about his character like when does he pick up on stuff how does he use it to his advantage i i was down for all that yeah yeah for sure It, it it is kind of funny though because he is He's essentially Sherlock Holmes, right? Like, like mm-hmm. the Benedict Cumberbatch Sher- Sherlock Holmes, right? Um, yeah. And, but it is used differently, right? Like nobody, nobody, when Sherlock Holmes does it, nobody goes like, oh my God, he must be clairvoyant or something, right? They just go like, dang, he's a smart guy. When Bradley Cooper does it, 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 it you know, he's trying to play in the, no, there's spooky reasons why yeah. I'm doing this. <laughs> But but it's like I, I, I need more f- from him to like really get that sense. Like like Sherlock Holmes, I just take it for granted it's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Bradley yeah. Cooper is just a dude who showed up with like a suitcase and a hat and a handkerchief in the hat. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, I need more to, to I, I don't really see him like in his normal experiences. I don't see him picking up on stuff that much. Right. Like it, it's not like when we're introduced to him, he's doing cold reading without it being a trick or anything and then we go like oh it makes sense that he pulls it it feels like he kind of goes like how do you do this and somebody goes like well i mean somebody's face gives away a lot of secrets about them and he goes huh and then he just tries it and he's good at it (laughs) and i i kind of yeah it's interesting i i saw it as like he has a a talent and his talent is unrefined so he uses it for like persuading people to do things he uses it for kind of standard con con man type reasons and it required someone inspiring him of like here's how you can hone it here's how you can leverage this to get ahead a little bit more to make it click but i i believe that about him because throughout the movie you know throughout his introduction when he's at the carnival he is kind of getting his way over and over again without having to do very much true (laughs) like like he is you know it plays in the moment as if he's just falling into different situations but i think you can reconstruct the movie of him being very intentional about who he gets to know and when and why and i i don't know i i think there is a read of this movie where he has been way more intentional about reading and understanding people from the beginning and then the movie does do a good amount of time especially with uh david stothern's character like the pr- the prior um mentalist yeah who talks about like 
people who have this kind of intuition, this ability to read people, it tends to come from a damaged past and it comes from a lot of vulnerability and there's a heartache to it and an emptiness. And I, I thought again, in the fairy tale sense, it just like really wonderfully lays out this idea of like, you need to be a certain level of hurt to achieve this. And yeah. so then the audience can kind of buy like, well, I believe he is hurt. Therefore I believe he can do it. Yeah. There are one, there are two things that I am going to try to beat around the bush in um, because I, I don't, I don't know that we need, I don't think we need to have like a full blown spoiler segment. So no, I'm just going to try so. to talk ambiguous, ambiguously about it. But there is a, for Bradley Cooper, there is a repeated motif, right? <laughs> and it is, it is something he gets, in, he, it's something he gets himself into um, around certain types of people. And mm. this film is showing this repeatedly, right? A as though this is a trend. But what doesn't make sense to me is the first time he does this thing, he gets one of these. <laughs> mm -hmm. The second time he gets it, it's the key to everything. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, it, is, it is shown to us as though this is who he is and this is how he's gotten to where he is. But the, the theoretical first time there's nothing that he got from it really other than like a keepsake. Right. So that, that was a little bit weird. Then that ties into this other, um, what I thought was going to be a bookend, <laughs> which was, uh, how the second time that thing happens, <laughs> yeah. um, there is what seemed like was going to be a callback towards the end, but then the person who he's interacting with chooses to use a different method to, to accomplish their goals. And I was like, how is this not the way you were going to do that? Um, and I'm, I'm yeah. talking about this versus this. Yep. Yeah, now I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> this is going to be great for the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I'm realizing now that there are ways that I can speak ambiguously and not have to edit it later, which is just do hand yep. signals to Steven over the webcam. <laughs> yeah, this, this is our equivalent of like saying the word with the right letter and number to <laughs> signal to each other what we're talking about. <laughs> Remember, Steven, you got to put your two fingers as if you're pinching something out of the air. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, I know how to make a shadow puppet of a rabbit. Yeah, quiet coyote. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I I just th those those something weirds me out about those 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 two different moments and how they interconnect together because it seems like mm -hmm. the interconnectedness would define how the second one would play out, but then it doesn't. And I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah. It's I I think they are for very different reasons. Basically, yeah. uh, like they they parallel each other to maybe. Again, in fairy tale logic, logic talk about the cycle of certain characters or what is at the heart of them or whatever. Yeah. But I think to the actual character, they are very different and they're each unique and the character doesn't see a pattern in it. Yeah. A any, any last thoughts on this film, Stephen? Um, I love, and by love, I mean I'm horrified <laughs> by understanding what the meaning of geek was oh. <laughs> early. I, I think I intellectually knew this before, but I had never seen it depicted. Um, it's basically just like taking advantage of a person at their lowest and keeping like a human being captive until they die. It's pretty fucking insane. <laughs> and I didn't look it up, but I assume there is some truth to that in terms of actual carnival history. Yeah. Um, but some people just like that, biting the head off of chickens. <laughs> 
that's two. Yeah, and that's fine. Like they should be allowed to do it. it that's no big deal. I, I don't think they should be kept in a cage for it. Yeah. Um, or fed opium. <laughs> <laughs> the kind of tying in with that, what I like a lot about Guillermo del Toro is he, you know, he makes these fairy tales. It's a like sugary sweet like things are kind of plastic even it's like shimmering the colors are really nice everything looks very beautiful and soft and everything and then he just has like grisliness he has like blood or a limb that is no longer there or an appendage or he has audio effects of things running over thing like i there's a like a giddy nastiness to him that i just think that pairs so interestingly with his like cute fairy tale aesthetic and that that shtick still hasn't worn on me like it still really worked and it definitely worked on me here so you're saying that you like the cyclops baby in the formaldehyde <laughs> oh yeah 100 percent. give me that you must have loved day, the credits <laughs> yeah. give me uh enoch i think that's his name yeah yeah cool um well what do you say steven we get to our verdicts for this film yeah, I say Enoch, I answer nice. the door. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> if you were going to even say must-see, record with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm going must-see. Again, I like. I even led with criticism. I, I get why a person might dislike this movie. I do think there's some bloat, and it doesn't all play to Guillermo del Toro's strengths, but the parts that do just work so well, I think just like... Suspend disbelief, cross your eyes a little bit, and enjoy the ride. And I think it works gangbusters. So I had a lot more fun with this than I expected to. And I definitely think it is worth checking out. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give it a recommend with a caveat. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, as I said, I sort of had to recalibrate at times to what my expectations for how the story was playing out were. Um, but in the end, I think this is a great, you know, storybook, fairy tale kind of story. And I love the setup and payoff of so many things over the course of it. Really, really enjoyed it, um, but not quite a must-see for me. Hmm. Well, that is going to do it for our review of Nightmare Alley. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a licensed track from artist.io, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Um, yeah, that is this review. We have to, um, you know, hail our voice assistants in just a moment and go off and do a review of Kimmy. Um, so we're going to do that. Uh, but we will see you in the next episode, which is Kimmy, and uh, in future episodes after that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs>